podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nakum Show. I am Mike in the house, back from the States and ready to give us his take on week four of the NFL. Hot off the press. We'll talk about the Chargers' big win last night on Monday Night Football. The most hyped game in the history of the NFL. Didn't really live up to expectations, but it was compelling nevertheless. We'll talk about what went down in Foxborough. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cardinals? If we're going to go there as well. So a lot to be getting into. And then some, hey, the New York football teams, plural, are starting to get their season's going as well. Great timing for the Jets and Zach Wilson. Incidentally, I've written about Zach Wilson for the Times this week, so we'll push that out. I've got to get that plug in and we'll drop that uh, on the social handles at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's where you follow us on social. But enough of that. Self-promotion and jibber-jabber. Let's get straight down to business with a brilliant Iron Mike. Iron Mike back in at the house, helping us pick through the bones of week four, Good to see you, bud. Let's start with Monday Night Football, not least because it was a massive success for you on another show, which we will not name right here. And your, your uh, what was it? Smart, smart pick of the week? Yeah, that, that was my value bet, which was uh, the Chargers to win by 1 to 13 at 7 to 5. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I, I, really, yeah, I really thought it was going to be a close <laughs> A closer game, but they did dominate. Um, you know, yeah. and I, so there was how a great all this is this Chargers side. Mike? Well, I like them a lot. I mean, and in today's kind of what what would you call it two dimensional NFL, they're they're really well built to win. Mm. You know, with 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 Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, uh, and Herbert. Um, and that was the key and, last night as well, that, that Allen and, and Williams were kept in check to the most part by the Raiders, right? It's 47 yards combined, and yet they still found a way to, to have a Yeah, and, and that's Justin Herbert. It's the run game. But it's also their defense. And, and there was a great quote, I think, from Joey Bosu who said, you know, we know if we can get to Carr early, he becomes shaky, which is kind of turning Derek Carr into Jared Goff um, <laughs> strategy-wise. Strategy wow. strategy but right. that, but that, that did work. And, and you mm. know, they had... Have, they have options, um, and I, I'm going to preempt a lot of our discussion because I've been thinking about it. Mm. Uh, Do you want to ask and answer the questions then? Yeah, why not? <laughs> but the but the rookie quarterback situation mm. got me thinking about this, okay. um, and and looking at some of the results this week. And basically, you've got, I would say, four quarterbacks who can make things happen when, when everything breaks down on a consistent basis. Oh, can I have a go at this? Can I, can I, so you got the Carlson list of four quarterbacks. Go go ahead. Yeah. Mahomes. Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Rodgers is on the borderline. That was what the discussion was going to be. Okay. All right. Um, Well, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, obviously. Yep. Kyler Murray. Yep. And I'm just going to say Lamar. Uh, no, um, mm, okay. Josh, Josh Allen was the Ooh, four, okay, was fair, my fair. fourth. Jo- Herbert is on the borderline with Aaron Rodgers. Mm, okay. And then the reason Rodgers on the borderline is that he does it mostly with his arm. <laughs> mm. um, but I'm willing to include him. But but that's a kind of group of of modified pocket quarterbacks say mm. they can play from the pocket, but they play from the pocket because they can get out of the pocket and make make things happen. Mm. And then you've got now, I would say, three teams that are playing single wing football which is Lamar Jackson at Baltimore, 
um, Hurts at Philadelphia and Fields now in Chicago if he's mm-hmm. going to start. And, and it might be that Trey Lance has to do that as well. And I don't make judgments on Fields or Lance because realistically they shouldn't be playing. They're rookies who probably shouldn't be be playing at this at this part. As Fields has come almost- up, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Just a quick one yeah. on him because last week, Everyone was laying into Matt Nagy saying that the play calling was absurd. It, and Dan Olofsky, of course, friend of the show, Dan Olofsky was really, really withering in his criticism that it, it was as if he hadn't had this quarterback in the facility for eight months. And what on earth were they calling? They seem to build a much more sensible and tailored offense for him this week, didn't they? Yeah. And I think that I think the the criticism of Matt Nagy is justified because we've seen it before in games. He doesn't seem to be able to deviate from his game plan within a game. Um, so that when fields came in, yes, he was running an offense designed for Andy Dalton mm. and he's not Andy Dalton. You know, Andy Dalton's strong exactly. point is basically getting shorter passes out quickly and accurately. And fields obviously isn't. Um, he missed a lot of short passes in this game or they, you know, they might've won, but, by more, mm. but to his credit, Nagy, you know, changed the game plan a bit to give free fields more freedom, and and it illustrates, I think, the most important point which you and I have been talking about since the Mike Vick days, basically, is that for all of the um, excitement that you generate and all of the the chunk. Chunk is the bit, you know, the NF, the National Football League word for big plays, mm-hmm. chunk plays um, <laughs> that that you can do if you can't convert the simple shorter game on a consistent basis, you cannot win mm. against good defenses. You can, you can roll them up against bad defenses, but this is why in the playoffs, it becomes a, a more difficult thing um, to achieve. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of the situation that those teams with, with Lamar, those three teams, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts and Fields are, are in now Jackson is better than, than the other two at doing that a bit. Um, and and probably a better runner as well uh and has more help around him but you know i it doesn't it doesn't look like jalen hurts is really ready to play quarterback as mm. opposed to tailback mm. um in, in the nfl and fields is still a work in progress and i think i think this weekend you know, you saw some steps forward by Trevor Lawrence. You saw some steps forward by Je- Zach Wilson. Fields acquitted himself okay, um, and um, um, Trey Lance one pass, and otherwise, you know, otherwise it was just like scramble. Uh, Did you know, call the the the, the contingent, particularly the, a lot of the Forty ers fans, it seems, and and certainly. Uh, outside of uh, fans outside of having a vested interest in that team seem to have been clamoring for Trey Lance without maybe necessarily knowing that much about him and seeing well, that much tape. Will that cool that a little bit, Mike? What it's it's inevitable when they, when, when you trade draft value away to take this guy, remember fields, they traded up to get fields. They traded up to get um, Trey Lawrence. Originally, I think they were going to take Mac Jones mm. and then um, Shanahan fell in love with with um with Trey Lance with Trey Lance. Do you think Shanahan's and, fueled the situation as well because he's been quite ambivalent and, and actually more so just quite downright confusing for a long time when he's been asked about the quarterback situation. Yeah, in my mind I, I never understood that because I couldn't see any way Jimmy Garoppolo would not start. Right. Um and and we said I remember on one of the shows that you know it why pressure feet why not work with with Trey Lance as much as possible because you know eventually he's going to have to play because Jimmy's going to get hurt. 
Mm. Um, that's the story of his career. Right. Um, and I mean, I love Trey Lance at North. I love watching North Dakota State, you know, because I'm and I'm unfortunately I'm a Jackrabbits fan, South Dakota State. But but, you know, I watch those teams as much as I can. And I love Trey Lance. But based on not having played his sophomore season, mm. they played one game, I think. There was no way in the world he was ready to make that jump. You know, Carson Wentz was incredibly talented coming out of North Dakota State. Um, and none of these guys were, you know, were really ready to make to make that jump, which is why which is why I was surprised um, that the Jets would draft Wilson without having a veteran alternative. You know, just just to ease you into the, you know, all the other teams that took first round quarterbacks, including the Patriots, had a veteran alternative. Is this it, because, bringing us back to Monday Night Football, yeah. is this because of the season that, that Justin Herbert had last year, which was unorthodox, kind of outlier as far as rookie quarterback seasons go? And there was a pressure to, we just touched on it, right? From fans, from many of well, us watching to play the guy now. And do you think well, this- remember, he wouldn't have played if Tyrod Taylor hadn't sure, got hurt. But he did it. He was he was strong from the get go. That's my yeah. point. That's, a, yeah. that's added to the pressure of and Herbert. Herbert, yeah, Herbert was misinterpreted by people who didn't watch Oregon much toward the end of the season. I think mm. they had a they had an image of him um, which wasn't quite true. Kind of like Allen. Nobody nobody. Nobody saw Allen as a scrambling playmaking quarterback um, coming out of Wyoming. He was a pocket passer. Um, and it was the same thing with Herbert, which was, you know, partly because Oregon didn't want him running. They, they were afraid of his getting hurt. Um, and when a quarterback has a season, a rookie has a season like that. Is that why Wilson's picked it to isn't a backup or a rather a veteran placeholder plan in place? And he's thrust straight in. I can't, I, I don't know what the Jets were thinking, but that's usually what I, you know, my situation vis-a-vis the Jets. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I, I can't say, but yeah, I, I mean, they look it up for the Jets. Mike. Yeah, that's a they, they, yeah. Well, he, you know, he, he had a pretty good game and, and I think that's the headline. I mean, everybody's headline seems to be the, the Sunday night game um, or whatever. But, but to me, the headline of the game is that both the New York teams won yeah. Yeah, yeah. On, on the same day in, in overtime, both of them, which I guess had never happened before. Um, and both were, were, were big upsets that, that killed a lot of betters, you know. Um, uh, I'd like Kirk, to point out for the record, I was on the Giants side, Mike, live on radio, much, yeah. to the, much to the amusement of Ben Isaacs and Ollie. I went Giants and I had the last laugh. I was leaning Jets as well, but I'm so soft minded. I got talked out of it, Mike. I yeah, well, I, I think it's easy to get talked out of. <laughs> um, and, you know, last year, again, you and I were you were talking to and I was saying I liked Herbert better than Tua mm. um, and, you know, and thought he would be more ready. And 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 so it turned out. And, mm. But last year was kind of strange. Burrow. Burrow was the Trevor Lawrence last year. Mm. And, you know, and it says something for the state of college football and the difficulty of transitioning that Burrow, for all that, you know, for all that he looked NFL ready at LSU. And of course, he had Joe Brady coaching him. And, Mm. you know, it was it was a great situation. Um, Oh, he 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 was a free agent out of Ohio State. Ohio State, you know, wouldn't play him over because they had fields. And before that, they had Dwayne Haskins and whatever. Um, and they thought they were better suited for the for their kind of game, for that college kind of optioning game mm. um, than Burrow was. And that's part of the problem is these guys are not, you know, the, the pro game is is transitioning more toward the college game, obviously, which makes it 
more openings for these guys, but, but it's a much more difficult game. The defenses are much better. They're professionals. They spend all their time figuring out ways to slow you down, you know, or, or stop you. And it's a, it's a harder transition for guys who come out of Oklahoma or Texas tech or, you know, Ohio, even Ohio state, Um, Mm -hmm. look at the success rate of Ohio state quarterbacks. Although to be honest, that goes back to before the spread era. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to the days of Bobby Hoying and people like that. That's a shit. You should have learned the lesson by now, maybe is what you're saying. Just a final word on the Raiders then, because we're talking hype and... Uh, never bought into it. You never bought into it, Mike. Uh, no. Where, what is their level? Are they a playoff team, do you think? I think they are, um, but they're in a fairly difficult division to get into the playoffs. I think the two Wests are, you know, mm. um, for all that we for all that I talked about the NFC North is uh, sorry, the AFC North is being the, the sort of toughest or best division, you know, in football. I think those, the two Western divisions um, are, if not the best, the most balanced. Jim um, Morrison would be very happy about what's going on. The West is the best. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. they're, good, they're good, but not great is what we're saying. Well, yeah. I, I mean, right now I, I'm not, I'm not even sure, you know, the, the Cardinals have all the hope, all the hype this week. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the greatest team in the world ever this week. Um, well, I kind of think the charge is the AFC equivalent of the cards, right? They seem. Yeah, to I, I, I think, think so. But, you know, we're so much, it's so much a kind of one take world from mouth, mouth <laughs> and exactly the mouth clown, the mouth clowns are, are, um, frothing. Are, they're frothing at the, uh, fro- at frothing. The on, um, just one, one question for you, Mike, on the offensive game plan of the Raiders last night, because as we know, we've talked about <laughs> it on this show, they've been airing it out. And then some Jacobs comes back and they seem to be quite resilient on, uh, and belligerent and sticking to, to the ground game early on and trying to establish that. And it didn't really, uh, get them particularly far. In retrospect, was that a mistake or do they need to make sure that they ad- attempted to do that to, to have more of a balanced offense? I think Carr would become much more, becomes much more effective in that kind of an offense. Right. Um, and that's what Gruden wants to do. That's, that's what they were trying to build, you know, when, back to when we saw him at Wembley um, yeah. against Seattle. You know, they were trying to do the Seattle kind of formula of, of running the ball a lot and play actioning off mm-hmm. of that. Um, and that's why they drafted Jacobs. Jacobs was their beast mode, you know, um, mm-hmm. beast mode. But they can't really put together a, a line good enough to, you know, they let a lot of guys go from that line. They built mm-hmm. one of those big beefy lines and then they let, you know, Trent Brown go and and um, Gabe Jackson go mm-hmm. and um, what's his name? The center. The center um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Um, so I'm, they're kind of, I don't know what, I don't know what they want to do. And, and it's, I always get the sense with Gruden that it's kind of like, People said it with him about quarterbacks, but he falls in love quickly and falls out of love even more quickly, mm. you know, and, and he <laughs> always wants to try something new. I thought their defense was is much better this year. Mm. Um, you know, they 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 again, they they signed linebackers last year. They signed more linebackers this year. Um, their fronts playing a bit better. And um, you know, the Chargers could have had more than 28 in that game. Um, which would have killed my bed even farther, but but um, <laughs> it's more that fun would have made I, I, one point. One play. point always hurts you more than losing a bet by ten points. You yeah. know. <laughs> Let's talk Sunday night football then. The uh, the most hyped game of the century, and uh, unsurprisingly, didn't live up to that hype in terms of what we saw on the field. And I, I told you to go under. You did, you did tell us to go under. <laughs> and hey, if you're uh, if you're big on the kicking game in the NFL, you'd have loved Sunday night football. But there was a number of interesting things to to pick out. Let's start with. Uh, let's start with Matt Jones's performance because we've been talking rookie quarterback. So let's follow that through. He had a pretty capable 
capable evening. And not least, I guess, because of that pressure, that was quite an impressive performance. Of everything. He got, he got hit a lot and he got hit hard. Um, you know, he, I, I think he was only sacked four times, but he was hit 12 times. Uh, the funny part is that right now, Mac Jones looks like a journeyman veteran quarterback. Right. Um, He's, yeah. If you wheeled in Andy Dalton or Jimmy Garoppolo in four years, that's what, that's what. You yeah. Think, right? Which is great for, you know, for a rookie in his fourth NFL game. Um, the problem for the Patriots is not Mac Jones. Obviously the problem is that their offensive Ground game. line is no good at the moment. Um, I thought on when you minus one yard, minus one ground yards, eight eight carry only eight carries. (laughs) And for minus one yard, they were reduced to having to throw the ball to Harris to try to get a run game. Mm. Um, And that's what, that's what the problem is. You know, if, if, just like what I said about Derek Carr, Jones would be so much more effective if the run was a legitimate threat. Um, But they need Trent Brown back healthy. um, And they, on when you, I thought neither of those holding calls was a very tough call, especially when you consider um, the way that uh, um, Donovan Smith was literally, you know, grabbing on, grabbing and holding, and to especially like Uche on the the play where Grant, Brady had to scramble in the end zone. He hit Chris mm. Godwin for twenty eight. Well, Uche's right there, and and then all of a sudden he's not because he's been grabbed from behind and pulled down by Diamond Smith at, right in front of Mister Blind. Um, or um, I don't think that's his official name, Mike, but I take it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he's the guy. Remember who? Remember the penalty in in the New Orleans game? The um, the obvious pass interference that wasn't called in the playoffs in the championship game in yeah. the championship game. Same guy. Um, Vinovich was the guy who said, Oh, well, I couldn't interfere because I didn't see it. And when you look at the replay from the, from the end zone camera, from, right you know, he, it, it shows the play and Vinovich looking right at the camera. <laughs> so, so unless those guys were invisible <laughs> in his line of sight, so it's a fair point. Yeah. Fair point. But, um, but I thought that was, you know, that, that, that was a tough break basically, but they need to get their offensive line sorted out and their run game sorted out. I think, this bill benching Stevenson for fumbling mm. um, Harris Harris's fumble cost them a win against the Jets. Um, JJ Taylor had a crucial fumble in this game uh, or they might've put some points up uh, on the board um, against uh, against Tampa. And, you know, they, they did a great job, a great job. It, if, if you're doing the bet Brady versus Belichick kind of argument, which is specious in a way, but if you're doing it, Belichick, I thought proved proved that, you know, he's the guy who can pull wins out of nowhere. And, you know, and, and that was the situation. If you give him Brady, who's the perfect kind of adaptable quarterback to any situation, you can see why they won so many games because Mm -hmm. Bill's defense would always, would always put them in games. And, Mm -hmm. You know, I, now you can question a couple of his decisions, um, you know, not on not going on um, fourth and two from the 44, um, which I would have done. And I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent about the field goal attempt in the conditions with Nick. And right. Plus, plus they, they lined up nine yards deep on the field goal, which was weird. I think he needed extra an extra step to get the kickoff. But normally if you're on the 37, your kickoff is going, your, your field goal is going to be a 54 yard kick, not a 56 yard. Kick. Oh, you want the extra step for the power because of the distance. I uh, think so. Yeah. Um, which, okay. It got off fine, but um, mm. you know, I would have been very, very tempted to, 
to do that and, and uh, to go for it. I mean, on, on, uh, yeah, it was, it was curious that he didn't, didn't roll the dice there. Uh, what about the Bucks defense? And in particular, obviously the secondary, right, which is banged up uh, and they've, they've re-upped it with the addition of, of Richard Sherman, who was right in the thick of it from, from yeah. get go. Uh, how effective do you think Sherman can be there? First of all, <laughs> it depends on whether the referees are in a flag throwing mo- mood or not. Um, I, I, you know, Van Noy got an interference penalty, which was minimal given what goes on and doesn't draw flags all through the game. And, and with Sherman, not in particular, but Sherman is a great example of that. Mm. Um, they have to right now they're having a problem because they have to pretty much play zone to avoid getting Carlton Davis and a couple of other guys into man, too many man to man situations. I think Sherman's okay with that. Cause that's basically, you know, w- what they did in Seattle w- with, with, um, with Sherman and Brandon Browner, they were playing zone, but, but they basically had man coverage on the outside receivers, mm. but only in the, on the outside receivers, if that was the way, you know, the setup was. So they were basically normally playing them against the sideline. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as part of a zone, um, if you have him out where he has to have man coverage in the middle of the field, all over the field, then you have more, of, more he, of a problem. Has he lost an edge? I mean, oh, oh, yeah. Where is that now? I mean, where is no, he slow to that vintage? Yeah. Yeah. He's slow. He looks like Brandon Browner did, you know, back then about a year after the they won the championship or two years. He went to the Patriots for a year. If you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's all it's all physical physicality um and smarts richard sherman's a very smart player you know he knows what he can get away with um he doesn't have makeup speed but he's got makeup length um you know when when you watch guys defending when they're beaten and you watch them defending by by pawing at the receiver's arms and chest and, and face um that's from that's richard sherman was the master of that you know the um How and every- are those um those football smarts mike when in that position and, and particularly in 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 Sherman's specific iteration of that position, when you've lost pace, can he still, can he compensate enough with his football smarts and his Well, you know, that that's one of those, you can until you can't kind of questions. Mm. But, you know, especially if you're, if you're isolated on one of those really fast guys, if he get a Henry Ruggs um, kind of guy, you know, if he gets past past you, it's all over. Mm. So you need, you need safety help. And that's why that's why, for example, Tampa was having to play his own because they were they were looking to give safety help. Plus, their safeties are much better than their corners. Are the Patriots making the playoffs, Mike? No, I don't think so. Um, it's a tough start. Um, I could see them finishing what, 10 and seven. Um, but I don't think that will make the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, I doubt they win the division. Uh, I think they can be second in the division, but you know, I think they'll be crowd. I think they'll be crowded out of the playoffs by, by the second teams in the West in the and West. the North, and then yeah. the third team from one of those two divisions. Uh, okay, let's move on to the NFC. You mentioned the West, and of course, the the Cardinals are uh, this week's Super Bowl champions, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Take you <laughs> yes. aside the the hype and the math clown, Jim Jabba. <laughs> How serious are you taking them? Because we beat down this road before, Mike, last year. I mean, it's uncanny, right? It was the greatest offense we've ever yeah. seen. And Kyler Murray yeah. is MVP. And now Murray got injured, of course, uh, which, which is a significant uh, part of, of that capitulation in the second half of last season. This time around, assuming he stays fit, 
how seriously are you taking them? Um, I was a bit. I was impressed with Vance Joseph's defense against the Rams. I, I thought that was, um, you know, that was something they'd been lacking. Um, that that kind of that kind of uh, get in your face early kind of um, approach, and that gave the Cardinals the early lead. And the Rams, as well, Sean McVay's teams, as we know, don't come from behind very right, well. Right. They're they're front runners. Um, the offense. The offense is weird because, you know, A.J. Green, all of a sudden, even though he's not moving any faster than he was moving last year, looks so much better. You know? A.J. Evergreen, I think we should call him Mike. Yeah, that's great. That's a great one. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know if Kingsbury is adjusting better or if Murray is adjusting better or both, mm. you know, after a couple of years experience as to what you can and can't get away with in, in the league. But Murray really looked really looked good um i really want to drill down on that point and get and get your perspective on it because if we roll back to to when they both came into the nfl obviously at the same time everybody was uh, perhaps uh, overexcited and certainly unrealistic in the sense that we're going to see from week one this explosive dynamic offense and go, everything we've just talked about uh, with regards to rookie quarterbacks let alone rookie head coaches let alone in a brand new system and an organization together at the same time it was inevitable that it wasn't going to play out like that. But did you always have faith in Kingsbury in particular? And that if we applied patience in, in I guess, the same way, not an identical way, but a similar way than Buffalo, there was patience with Josh Allen building around him. And let's just, let's, let's look at this, a two, three year plan. Or are you surprised at how good this offense looks now? I'm surprised. Um, I didn't really have... Oh. No, I didn't have faith that Kingsbury would adjust to the. I thought the NFL would adjust to him better than than he would adjust to the NFL. <laughs> mm. um, you know, and it would be you know you you can't bring that high school stuff around here, right? You know? But they they've been really good at it, and and he and the front office have shown an ability to get the kind of people they need. You know, um, and, and Rondale Moore. Yeah. I mean, well, you watch him and Murray and it's like watching um, Madden, you know, <laughs> or, you know, it's exactly, like you, yeah. you've, you've brought you've brought two kids in from, from the JV team right. at the local high school to play, you know, and then they're just so explosive. And, mm. and he's been able to to take care of that. Now, other teams are going to, you know, catch up as the season goes on. And, mm. and the question is always, you know, what happens in the playoffs when you start playing the the really good defenses back to back and they and they see what to do. But well, I'm, they're playing I'm, a pretty good defense this week. Right? That's or what I said. That Vance Vance John yeah. uh, Vance Joseph I I think is has done a good job. And that takes some time too to they put you know they put bringing JJ Watt in for example. They're bringing in veterans, which normally you say when you bring in guys like Green and Watt Oh, they're making the push this year, but nobody even said that because nobody took that seriously. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, most people, including myself, would still have put the Cardinals as the fourth team in that show in that Pretty division, al although close. I mean, you know, it, it's mm. a balanced division, and you could see that um, at, at the start. So, so where are yeah. they now? Then at the start, you'd have preseason, you would have put them fourth. The, uh, are they the the strongest team in the division? Was that a, a slightly? Special? I think it's going to come and go um, during the season. I think, you know, mm. teams are going to, there's going to be a lot of matchup games. I mean, the 49ers outplayed the Seahawks this yeah. week, but when Garoppolo got hurt, their offense went, went south and, 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 and Russell Wilson made the play of the week. I mean, it's one mm. of the greatest plays I've seen 
in forever. <laughs> oh man, it's nothing like that. <laughs> it was a hell of a. Do you, want, do, you, do you want the truth, Matt? I always want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Tom Cruise is in the room. Hey, Ru- um, Russell Wilson, when he did that reverse spin, yeah, came out and and somehow found Swain in the end zone. Incredible. I mean, how did he see him? You know, yes, exactly. And, and I, I've said that for a long time. Wilson's greatest strength, and I, and I this was going back to Wisconsin, is that his eyes are always downfield, mm. and he, he processes really, really quickly. But that was that was just incredible. He was spinning, and he saw sure. that Swain that Swain was open, but not by much, not, not clearly and, open exactly. Yeah, yeah and he put and he put the ball right on the money. It, right. That was that was a, just a brilliant play, and mm. you know, and so the Seahawks deserved to win, obviously. But I think the Niners. Um, would have won. We're dominating that game in the yeah. first half yeah, yeah. Um, with with Jimmy with Jimmy G at quarterback, not because of Jimmy G, but because they were getting what they can get. Um, right. With, with, with good, him, at good enough with everything else around him. Just want to jump back to to the Cards Rams because the point you made about this Cards offense will when they get to the deeper waters of the playoffs up against very strong defenses back to back could be interesting to see how how it copes. But this Rams defense, which of course was was amongst the best, if not the best in the NFL last season, significant changes that uh, are fairly obvious. So where is this Rams defense now? You've seen it up against certainly the most informed offense in the, in the NFC pretty much right now. How much has this Rams defense regressed and how big a problem is that if you feel it has? It's funny, up until this week, I was surprised at how well they had played, you know, and, and obviously you're building around Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. You've got two, you know, two blue chip players at, at key positions. Um, but they've always seemed to be able to do that. You know, they, they've always, they've, they've got some great defensive backs and low picks in the draft and free agents, you know, who then go out, John, you know, Johnson and Hill go out to uh, Cleveland and sign big money contracts. Um I, I think they were. You saw that they were stretched, especially at the second level, at the linebacker level, um, more than the secondary, really. Um, and and part of that is simply that with Murray, you have to you have to uh, control control him in the pat. You can't pass rush crazy with a, with abandon. You have to you have to keep him controlled with a kind of pincher or umbrella kind of mm. pass rush where everybody keeps to their lanes, doesn't give him an out, an escape route, if you can, if you can avoid it. Um, you saw that, I think, with the Ravens. Um, no, um, with the Broncos, sorry, against the Ravens, um, with Lamar Jackson. Jackson was pretty much contained mm. and they won, they won that game because he passed from the pocket. Which is why I think at the beginning, as I was saying, Jackson is in a slightly different yeah. Yeah, category. Um, you know, it would have been a different game, I think, if Teddy hadn't had the concussion. Mm. But but I think the Ravens still win that game because they were they were um, they were really uh, finding ways around Vic Fangio's defense. You know, and, and How about I, Hollywood and Brown, I, the bounce back game. Well, that's the other thing. But he catches the ball; it makes mm. a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had three drops the week before. The week before, you know, um, Mike, you know for sure that somewhere, somewhere in America, Braylon Edwards was probably sitting in a bar, disquietly, <laughs> quietly nursing yes. his Lone Star beer. That's right. Last week, Hollywood Brown was was one hundred percent pure Braylon. <laughs> um, I loved Vic Fangio after the game when they asked him about Harbaugh running the ball. Um, on the last play of the game so that they could continue their streak of 100-yard rushing games. 
And Fangio said, we knew, you know, we knew they were going to do that. We, we know what they, what they are. You know, did it bother you? We knew it was kind of, you know, it, it bothers everyone else, I think, more than, you know, the, 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 they said, and they said, why, how did you know? He said, because that's the kind of team they are, meaning I think that's the kind of guy yeah, that Harbaugh is. is. Yeah. Did you see, speaking of Fangio, did you see that it, it was a split second thing? And I haven't actually drilled down on social to see if this has gone everywhere. So apologies if this is some major meme that I've, uh, but I think it kind of went by quite unnoticed. I actually zoomed back uh, on, on Red Zone to check I'd seen it. It's an assistant on the Bronco side and went over to Fangio. Did you see this? And no. he whispered no. something to him. And it just, you know, they cut to Fangio and he was standing there kind of li- looking what to do. Oh, I did see that. And, and he just looked at him and went, no! <laughs> and then it, Fangio shouted at him and it cut away really quickly. And I really want to know what he said to him. I did see that. I'm trying to remember what the situation was on the on the field. Do you want coffee or tea? Was he asking? No. <laughs> Do you have reservations after the game? <laughs> Something. Are you going to shake Harbaugh's hand? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be on Vic's bad side. You know, um, when I was at Wesleyan, there was a ceremony because our defensive coordinator from those years, who then became later on, became the, the baseball coach, the head baseball coach and took Wesleyan to an NCAA oh, that's final. A job. That a big he, job. Well, he was, you know, all, all the coaches were multiple. It was part of the job. Oh, OK. OK. Um, but uh, he was a good defensive coordinator and, and quite, quite a good guy. But when, when I was playing and I didn't play defense once they realized after my freshman year that I wasn't a real good defensive player. (laughs) And all I played in high school was defense. So that was weird. Um, But um, he was the kind of guy you avoided (laughs) whispering (laughs) to on the sidelines (laughs) because you didn't know what you you might get. Um, And then it turned out afterwards when I got to know him, he's actually quite a relaxed and nice guy, which I'm sure is is true um, of, of of Fangio as well. But, you know, can you believe that before the start of the season and Vic was saying, you know, we don't, we don't know who our starting quarterback is. And there was a, can you believe that there was ever a question? I I told you Teddy was going to start, All right? You know, Drew Locke, give me a break. Drew, Drew Locke's Lock- going to be your starting quarterback with, with Teddy Bridgewater on the bench. No way. Yeah. Drew Locke, of course, uh, most notable thing he's doing in the NFL these days is uh, the Drew Locke of the week on edge rush, which I should drop <laughs> in. Both, both me and Ollie got, we landed on ah, Drew Locke of the week. Well done. Well done. We were obviously going to pick and, ourselves up. Yeah. And you know, um, the other guy who I think deserves some kind of mention was Trenton Cannon. Yes. Uh, who managed to fumble the same kickoff twice. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I mean, has he been cut yet? And I don't, I'm not being, I'm not I, being I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. That is know? this cut. But in all seriousness, when that happens and I, and it was, I mean, in, in, in what well, it was, it was in successive kickoffs, right? Uh, no, it was the same kickoff. He, he bobbled it. And then he picked it up on the ground. No one had touched him. He kind of, what would you say? Um, it's kind of like, it, it was kind of like um, a guy diving at the start of a, of a swim, of a swimming race. <laughs> he, he kind of do- dove forward and then fumbled it again. Uh, someone got his hand on it. I think but, but did see the next helped. kickoff. Did he call? No, I don't think so. Didn't he? He, he definitely made back to back mistakes. The very next kickoff, he made a call saying the ball was going to go through the end zone and it didn't. Oh, okay. Got spotted. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he doubled down for sure. Yeah. I was probably taking, a, I was probably taking a break from uh, red zone. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed this week on red zone that the guy who squeezes um, Scott Hansen's balls to get his voice to go really high up like that was doing it at all the wrong times. <laughs> 
just to be clear, listeners, there isn't actually a guy who is under the desk <laughs> squeezing. Yeah. Uh, now, one of my bets that worked out, I mean, I'm, oh, I'm just freeforming here. One of the um, many. Was, was the Packers over the Steelers and giving the points. But it shouldn't have. I mean, I, I, who knows? If the situation were different, I think the Packers could have scored more points. But the blocked field goal, mm. which the Steelers returned for a touchdown and then was called back for offside. Mm. I, I've looked Bad at goal. that over and over again. I don't see an offside. Mm. You know, they did it. one of the things that is you, from from our angles. The only two angles you have are both kind of behind and up, not not along the, the line of scrimmage. But from those angles, it looks like Hayden and Minka are both lined up about a yard off the line of scrimmage mm. so that they get a running start. And they're not over when the ball starts to be snapped. They're just starting to move. That, right. You know, so, the, so, so when they hit it, they weren't over the line of scrimmage. I thought that was a brilliant block. And, yeah. Um, uh, but I'm not going to argue with it because I got the bet right. Well, exactly. Keep Stim on that, Mike. Keep Stim. Mike Tomlin, I think, would, would agree with you. That. What, what are they going to do with Ben? Because he is he's oh, done, right. isn't he? I well, mean, we said to- this last year, and you know, he's he looks exactly as he did in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's a category of his own now, which is the only play he could run efficiently is the Statue of Liberty, because that's <laughs> that's that's about how that's about how quickly he can it's move. True, I mean, um, so what the, are they gonna, in all seriousness, Mike, what should they do? I don't know, because we know Mason Rudolph's not the solution. We've seen him enough. What they're getting now. Um, right? Dwayne Haskins, I can't see being the solution, but, you know it's hard to know because we've never seen them develop a quarterback behind, you know, behind him. Um, but the long-term solution, I guess what I meant was if they say they put Rudolph in, and I know they're not going to do this unless Ben walks away mid season, which uh, maybe he will, but well, I think they'll bench him. I mean, do they think no, the problem, the problem is that their offensive line is it, it, much like the Raiders losing a lot. They lost lots of guys. Yeah. And much like the Patriots, the, the guys they haven't replaced, to replace haven't been Stepped haven't up. paid off. Ben has to get rid of the ball in the second and a half, basically. So they're running all of these all of these slants, dink and dunk, and, you know, yeah. and and just trying to dink and dunk their way down the field. He threw downfield a couple of times, mm. um, but you know, if you put Mason Rudolph in, he's going to get killed because he's you know he's not very mobile in 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 the pocket. Haskins is is kind of the same way, but I would, I, I would think you'd give Haskins a shot at some point, but they're so one dimensional that, mm. you know, they, I thought they, they tried to establish the run against the Steelers and Najee Harris is, is a good back. I mean, I think he looks like, like the real deal um, and what they drafted him for, but they, there's no support there. It's a real, it's a real problem. And, you know, they, um, you know, Cincinnati's three and one and, and deservedly so. I think they, you know, the the Steelers could be the bottom of bottom of the pack in in that division. Yeah, it's a, we figured it would be the way the change you've referenced. I think there's a huge amount of personnel change, you know, even by NFL standards in terms of roster change this season. And uh I, I yeah, guess the, the only way they win games is if TJ Watt and, right, and High more, Smith, yeah. you know, and, and the guys up, the three guys up front can, can generate lots of pressure and force and of turnovers. The way that the season started, we thought, well, that's going to happen every week and it doesn't happen every week. And, and we're no. seeing the real Steelers now. Uh, what about, let's end on the, uh, we want to sneak in your uh, jacket story from your uh, recent yeah. American well, trip as well, Mike. But- just before you, and then let me get in the Andy Reid bowl. Oh yes, of course. Because I didn't know this till, Till yesterday, but you know, Reed is now the only coach to win a hundred games with two teams, mm. and and he did it 
against his old team, which is kind of a neat, <laughs> neat twist. I hadn't, I hadn't realized that, yeah, yeah. but you know, everybody was writing Kansas city off and yes, Philadelphia was kind of an easier task for their defense and they still scored 30, but mm. this was a case of Kansas city playing. We'll just keep scoring and not worry about defense. Uh, and Philadelphia made that easy because there were, you know, everybody's following the Tampa template with Philadelphia. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what <laughs> the template was, but the, what the Eagles were doing was man covering mm. with two safeties deep, but which is what Tampa, you know, Tampa played two safeties deep against them the whole time. But when you do that, a, you can't let Tyreek Hill catch underneath and then beat your two safeties, which he did for the first touchdown, which set, just set the tone for the game. And B, you can't pull those safeties completely out of the game. I mean, you know, they they <laughs> they could have been in the crowd getting hot dogs. You know, they were they were so far back, yeah. and, and and that left lots of other things open open for the uh, the Chiefs' offense. So, I, you know, congratulations to Andy. Um, you know, I, I was. I was, I was actually Holmes? glad to see that, you know, what do you and think Mah- Holmes trickery, you know, the, the, he, he's, he's gotten carried. Yeah. Him. He's gotten carried away with that. And the you more they, so? they kind of play wide open, the more he's going to, he's forced plays. He's forced plays in um, three of the four games that I've seen, you know, yeah. bad, bad plays where he's turned the ball over and um, you but know, the, red the zone in particular is that, I mean, because I guess two schools of thought here, he's, falling for the hype and he's overplaying it the flip side is well he is that kind of player that's why we we love watching him as a player so why shouldn't he well they miss they miss sammy watkins they immensely because they don't have that third option Mm. a a consistent you know threat of a third option as as um behind kelsey and and hill and it makes them it makes them kind of one dimension. I was a little surprised they but, let w- but Williams that's not, go. That's not what, what I was asking, Mike. It was the, the freestyling for the two touchdowns, the showboating in particular. Is that is, is that a mistake? Do you think? Because he's, he's- I, yeah. I mean, when especially when you throw the ball into bad situations. You know, last week you remember Scott Hansen going going crazy about the no look, which was mm. intercepted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I said right. you're missing you're missing the point here. <laughs> he threw a no he threw a no <laughs> through a no look pass, picked, but yeah. it was behind the receiver, you yeah. know, and 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 um or his receiver fell for it as well. Do you think that is it gonna serve to antagonize uh defenses when Mahomes is is pulling all this stuff or it's not going to have that kind of impact. And actually a player like Mahomes, who has pretty much from day one freestyled in this way, it should be encouraged to do this. We should be celebrating this. I think, I think to, into a sense, having proven himself, especially, um, and, and I don't think they care what defenses think about how he, you know, how he beats them. Um, if the more frustrated they get, the happier Andy Reid will be. Right. Um, he deserves it. He has to be cut a little bit of slack. Um, the, the one thing I remember coaches always saying to quarterbacks, you know, is make a play, buddy, make a play. And, and that's what he's capable of doing. Mm. So occasionally you're going to have, uh, you're going to fall by the wayside as long as it doesn't become a uh, pandemic or no endemic, I guess is a better word for, um, <laughs> um, nice. for, for that, that, you know, that, that you, li- you will live with that, you know, you'll live with the occasional mistake and, mm. and you do get the sense I'm not sure with with the defense because 
to an extent they they sort of get it right as the season goes along right and frank clark is out obviously and that but there's also the sense that spags's teams you know his his defenses have gotten worse after their big years mm. Uh, and I don't know if that's because other teams figure out what he's doing um, or, you know, or whether you just can't maintain it uh, as your personnel changes or whatever. In the Giants, that was true of, um, you know, after after um, after this first Super Bowl win. So oh, then um, they, they, yeah, exactly. And then they, I, they but I said last in yeah, and talk. I, yeah, I said last week, Kansas City is still, you know, AFC front runner. And I, I think with apologies to Buffalo at the moment. Um, you know, I still think that's the AFC championship game. Buffalo, Kansas. Well, what, one more team that we haven't paid any lip service to and remiss really, because we should have done given the way they're playing right now. And I know there are a few, uh, few of our listeners on Twitter, Owen Davis, uh, one of them, uh, Tony uh, Torrance as well. Actually, no, my apologies. Tony wants more Bengals, uh, less Cowboys, but Owen wants <laughs> Much more, more stripes. And, uh, and Dale says, I uh, hope there's some Cowboys love on the pod next week. Now, well, Dale, Owen, your wish is my command. So let's talk Cowboys because we knew they were going to ball offensively, Mike, we, we knew they would, right? Dak back, so many weapons around him. It's really interesting what they've done with the ground game and the variation. Did you say that, did you say they're going to ball offensively? They were going to ball offensively, yeah. You've been hanging around with J-Bell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very J-Bell. That is a very, we'll be hanging around with J-Bell. And I was next Sunday, Mike, on the BBC. Which yeah, a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah so much, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. We're looking forward to that. So, but we knew they were going to, uh, they were going to rack them up. What we were worried about was this defense, right? For all kinds of reasons, a lot of unknown, uh, unknown quantities on the defense, but they seem to be, well, they're certainly surpassing expectations defensively and offensively they're rolling. So how good is this Cowboys side? Mike? Uh, I, th- I thought that was a good win for them. Although I, I expected it. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking Carolina could pull off the upset um, partly because without McCaffrey, they're, they're much more one-dimensional um, in what they can do, and partly no, because no love for Chuba. Well, I know Chuba will be good. I mean, but he he can't. What McCaffrey does is is create a receiving threat right. as as well, which opens up defenses a bit more. Um, and they also were missing J.C. Horn, which I think was mm. crucial because he was already like their second best defender, um, and and. Um, it made the Cowboys life a little bit easier, but I was, I was very impressed with, with how Ezekiel Elliott played, Mm. which again, which for them is huge, you know, because you go back to the, you know, to their best, I guess it was the first, their rookie seasons, Dak and Zeke, you know, when the offensive line was clicking and Zeke was running really hard, it opened up so much more, more stuff for, for, um, for Dak and, and, and now he's got, you know, like the, the three amigos or whatever. Um, sure. And running but, hard is exactly the, the, is the operative phrase, right? Because he's he's absolutely pounding it right now. Yeah. And, you know, no coincidence that Tony Pollard has a really big game and Zach, Zeke then comes out. And yes, I, I call it Zach. It's like I'm putting the two guys together. Deke, Dak and Zeke has become Zach. Um, but but um, Zeke comes out and, and has, has the big game. Mm. I, I think that I think that the Cowboys will have an easy time in going into the playoffs because Washington is much worse than 
than we thought they would be. Yeah, um, because the East their defense is not is not very good. And I was amazed they well, won why that. Is, why Washington, Mike? Why is their defense falling off a cliff? It's a it's an interesting question because I think because they're they're basically I the, the layman's way to say it would be that they're just they're just figuring that they've got so many stars up front that they don't need to worry about how you know how they play the the actual defense and mm. chase young still doesn't have a sack as far as mm. I'm, as far as I, I know. Um, so that, you know, Matt Ryan, I, I was amazed Atlanta lost that game. Uh, you know, <laughs> you I, I, both. I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how, how it panned out. And, and I think it's time to drop the whole, the goal line extends around the world kind of thing, mm. because, you know, if you put your jet pack on and, and launch yourself at the four yard line, and then, and then cross the plane of the goal um, when you're, say, in mid-Atlantic. Um, <laughs> that shouldn't be a touchdown. You know, you should have to cross the plane of the goal while you're still on the play, in the playing field, you know. How much? All of your body? This is where it gets... No, the ball. It's only the ball that you're, that you're worried about. Oh, I see. Well, out of bounds. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think the rule needs to be rewritten. Because otherwise, what what the hell is the pylon there for? You know what I mean. If if the pylon, if if you can fly over the ply, pylon mm. and still cross the thing, what's it there for? What's the point of it? You know, it's like having an air traffic control thing that's optional. So you feel the <laughs> pylon should be the post, essentially. Yeah, basically. Mm. And and so if you fly over, if if you launch from inbounds and mm. and you you're out of bounds. And the ball crosses the pylon. I would, I would say that's a touchdown. Run that through. Say so if you, you said if you, you're in, yeah. you're in bounds. Well, we're talking about McKissick, right? Right. And, so and it was launched. a great, it was a great play. I'm not, I'm not taking it because it, it, and he launched himself from the four yard line. Propels himself as he's launching. And out he was, of bounds, he was a good bounds, three feet out of bounds, yeah. maybe. And he reached the ball. Yeah. Over the, over the goal line. Yeah. But not over the pile, not over the pylon. It was nowhere close to the pylon. Uh, my my and that's a touchdown by that you know goal line extends around the world yes. rule but by my my feeling is that the rule exactly. should be you have to cross the pylon you have to you know make it make it make an upward upward line that extends all the way to alpha centauri mm. and and you have to the ball Let's has to that. has to break that line as well it has so you have to break both both a horizontal and a vertical end yeah, zone right, the end right. zone should not extend beyond the beyond the end zone basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when you put it like that it's entirely logical uh all right we uh we're gonna wrap with your jacket story so this uh, <laughs> listeners of course will remember last week i mike was uh back stateside and uh checking out the old digs at wesleyan uh and um you called some play-by-play as well mike got wheeled in to call some play-by-play yeah. in the game wesleyan wesleyan against hamilton i did suggest that hamilton who are named for alexander hamilton obviously um, and are called the Continentals should really be called Hamilton, the musicals. <laughs> um, but I don't think the college would accept that, especially since Hamilton, the musical was written by a guy from Wesleyan. Right. Um, <laughs> really? So, but yeah, well, Lin-Manuel. Wesleyan grads get everywhere. So, uh, yeah. so you needed it. You obviously had different, different events, hang it out, catch up with old friends. Yeah. The, the main thing was my film teacher um, who then became a professor and then head of the, of the brand new department of film. And they built a film center and she got, she was the reason for all of this happening. She's retiring at the age of 85. 
and um they they dedicated the film center to her they they named it after her and so this was the retirement cum um christening ceremony and i i had to come back for that and um so i wanted to um the, the dress code was look nice <laughs> literally when you get <laughs> or, the invitation in trouble so i wanted to look nice and um i didn't have a summary i knew the weather was going to be good and it was it was you know perfect fall weather temperature in the mid 70s and sunshine so i figured i'll pick up a blue blazer when i go to oh, the states because i don't because i don't have a blue blazer and you should have one really i mean not nowadays but in the day you you had to and um so just i got like saying it was just not we're not talking don johnson powder blue here we're talking no no classic. blue you know like navy okay anyway so i go to a shop and i see a blue blazer and it's kind of funky but it's cheap what do you mean and, it's kind of funky well it, it, the material was was sort of soft and somewhat shiny um <laughs> almost black you know okay. it could have and satin was it a satin and it was not my size because i usually take a long and so it, it was like better. a it was like a, a 46 nor but i buy it and i i take pictures i'm trying to i'm trying to send it to my girlfriend i'm trying to send it to my sister you know for opinions from people who might know so oh, i buy it of you trying it on in the shop and you were sending those up yeah share and so i get the i get the message back which says it's too short mm. <laughs> uh okay <laughs> is it really so so i go out looking again the next day and I go to a more upmarket store, Macy's. Did you take the other one back? Not yet. No, not okay. yet. And I find a blue blazer, but it's not really a blue blazer. It's got a kind of check pattern and it's it's a Tommy. So you have to be careful because it might be too fashionable. And um, uh, it's a little bit heavy. I wanted something lightweight, you know, that you, yeah. you can wear in summer or whatever. But I liked it, it kind of. But again, it I fell between the sizes. The 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 forty four is slightly tight. The forty six is kind of slightly loose, and the, and I have to have a long. Um, so I take the forty six, and while I'm sending the pictures out before I take it, the girlfriend comes back with that jacket behind you on the rack is nice, <laughs> which is a kind of beige. It's the same jacket. It's by the, you know, um, but it's a kind of beige jacket, not a blazer in a, in a slightly lighter material, but it's basically the same jacket from the same, from Tommy. And, but I buy the blue and I go home and my sister takes one look at it. I go back to her house. She says, that's too big. <laughs> so I've, meanwhile, I've gone back to the first shop and taken, taken the other one back, exchanged right. it. And so I say, oh, okay. <laughs> so the next day I go back to Macy's. How far is the trip to the shops, Mike? <laughs> oh, 75 miles. One of them's one of them's quite easy. The other one was a bit longer. Okay. And it's in a mall, so you gotta walk, you know, to so I take the next one <laughs> and I try it on and I and I this one, the 44, fits better. So mm. it's a little yeah. mite tight, but it's okay. I, I can live with that. Um, you could put so, all tight bike. So I then go back. I say, can I exchange this one for that one? They're the same price. And uh, no problem. This is the thing in the States. You know, you, you don't have to, you know, beg or <laughs> cajole or whatever to do an exchange. It's just, yeah, you want that? Fine. That bam, 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 bam. You know, it's I'm just surprised you didn't become a person of suspicion yeah. with all this. Uh, well, you know, here's the thing. In Britain, you have Boxing Day, right? Which mm -hmm. which extends the agony of Christmas of English Christmas it's for next year. Cynical, cynical view of yeah. Christmas. Well, no, everyone I talk to hates Christmas. 
I mean, they like they theoretically they like it, but in reality they hate. They hate cooking. They hate the family coming over. They hate going to the family. All this kind, all this kind of stuff. They hate the the, the trauma of present giving. Positive friends, yeah. yeah. But well, maybe. But this has been my experience. Um, so, but anyway, in America there is no Boxing Day. What Boxing Day is is the day that you take your Christmas presents back to the shops they came from and exchange them for something you actually you really want. Wanted, yeah. The entire country is exchanging. <laughs> on one day so anyway it was no problem at all so i got this light jacket i wore it i wore it i wore it with my elvis presley king creole tie which which i had got at my at janine at my film teachers one christmas when we about 10 of us were there a week before christmas for a kind of mock christmas dinner and we went downtown and bought presents at the junk shops and the the the, the five and dime store right. and um you know, did Secret Santa, you know, or just just wrapped them up and did a grab bag. And I got this Elvis. Another year, I got Elvis on velvet. So I've got these two great Elvises. So I, so I wore King Creole, mm. and um, it worked. It worked, and and I looked <laughs> I looked nice. And and I when I went to the football game when I first got there, I walked past the soccer field, mm. and I came through the art center out behind the goal where Wesleyan was defending, uh, where the, where the other team, I think it was Bowden was defending and Wesleyan scored a goal just as I walked there. So I put my arms up in the air, you know, it was all, <laughs> the so then I'm, <laughs> I'm standing on the sideline with the guy who runs O'Rourke's diner, who's basically my age. And, and I knew when he was working at O'Rourke's diner for his uncle. And, um, he looks at the tie and, and says, Oh, that's a you know, tie. What is it? I said, it's Elvis Presley, King Creole. And, and another guy standing there said, oh, What's King Creole? I said, It's the movie where he's a boxer and, and it's got Carolyn Jones as the love interest, which is one of the best in any Elvis movie. So, oh, who's Carolyn Jones? I said, Morticia in the Adams family. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I always watch the Munsters. I like that better. And like <laughs> me, Brian and the other two guys who were in the conversation all turn on him and go, the monsters. Oh, <laughs> the Adams mean. family is much better. We I start laughing. <laughs> Meanwhile, a kid has got scythed down on a breakaway um, <laughs> for Wesleyan. And the referee not only doesn't give a penalty, but the thing has to stop because he's lying, lying there on the field. And his parents are out there. This is Division Three. His parents are out on the field while he, while he's lying there. And some guy comes over and says, "Would you stop laughing? There's there's someone injured on the field." I said, <laughs> oh, and I looked at him. I said, "Is he dead?" <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Thank you for. I tell you, what, we, I'm pretty sure you and I to jog my memory. I'm pretty sure way back in the boat, way back when we had a monsters Adams family. Uh, discussion on air live on air uh back in the channel five days i think it probably would have been and i'm sure we put it out to social media as well it's quite a close call because al lewis of course is grandpa monster well yeah i mean that that's the thing that saves the fred Gwynn is you know is a good actor he's he's enjoyable um and and al lewis is grandpa monster and, and so that makes it but there's just not the invention there is mm. with you know i mean you know jackie coogan is uncle fester and you know, Carolyn Jones is fantastic, and and John Aston is over the top as as Gomez. As Gomez, yeah, yeah, and you know, it it, it was just cousin eight, of course. Thing, I mean, yeah, it's all that. Um, yeah, when they made the movie and Thing did a thirty second commercial for FedEx, I found that kind of <laughs> kind of the ultimate install. A little bit. Um, one final question: with your uh, uh, long standing friendship with your film professor. Did you at any point discuss Weekend at Bernie's and what she thought of it? You know what? 
we never we never did. I'd love to know what she thinks of it. Can you? Yeah. Can you I don't think it ever entered into her <laughs> curriculum. We get a buddies too. I bet she. I bet she's surprised. I bet she loved it. How can you not love Weekend at Buddies? Yeah, they they went. They made a little. Someone made a documentary sort of film, and they went back to a lot of the the students and asked them what their favorite course with her was, mm. you know, and, and she would do these big genre courses like musicals and Westerns. And she's written books about musicals and war movies and women's movies and stuff like that. But the list of the people who were being interviewed was pretty impressive in terms of their success in Hollywood, Josh Wedden, wow. Michael, Michael Bay, wow. um, you know, um, what's his Bradley Whitford um, oh, from right the West Wing. The West. Yeah. Her, her, her students have been very successful and lots of them that you wouldn't know, um, mm. you know, but who are producers or, or yeah, yeah. writers or, or whatever. And um and one of the guys that I, I knew, he was 10 years behind me, but I met him because of these Christmas parties at Janine's and he and his wife and I became friends. And, and um, Phil Abraham, who directed the best episode of The Sopranos, The Barons, where, where they go to kill Steve Buscemi in the Jersey oh, Barons. Yeah, 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 he, yeah, he directed that episode. Wow. He, he's been very successful. As wow, a, was, he at the, was he at the gig as well? Was he at the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. He was flying off to check to the Czech Republic um, on the next day, I think, because mm. um, he's doing that show with Al Pacino, um, Hunter. Hunter, yes. And yeah, so we had a little talk about what I thought was wrong with Hunter in the first, right. the, first the first, three episodes. Well, you know, he's just started working oh, on it. So but he's he's, lift it up now. He actually agreed, you know, yeah, those first episodes were kind of, you know, not as successful as they could have been. Um, so yeah, it, it's darker. I think they're making it darker, which is a good, which is a good thing. It sounds like you had a blast. Uh, I was great. It was great. And, um, you know, it's great to come back to s sitting in line in my car, trying to find some gas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so weird, you know, it's social media. If it wasn't for social media, you might be able to get gas. But well, what happens is somebody drives by and says, "There's gas at this place," and That's you know, it's, it's it's like um, it's like seagulls swarming to bread, you know. <laughs> and and we're all we're all there. You see, the funny thing is, the same thing happened back in the states last week, where somebody tweeted that satiny blue jackets back in the shop <laughs> and everybody piled in and it went you'll be, you'll be glad to hear it went it went within minutes <laughs> i could have just put those pictures of me and they're the most awkward pictures imaginable because you're taking a selfie of yourself into a mirror um you know trying to get the fit these. of the jacket oh, we've got in. to get these pictures so yeah yeah you, there's no way you're getting your hands on those things you know i'll tell you what you you find cardboard cut out mike and i'll put the jacket on him and then you can give your opinion brilliant uh listeners give give the world what they need on mike our listeners want to see those pics so uh come on <laughs> Actually, my, yes, my on, small on my small but demented following want to see that uh great to catch up with you bud uh appreciate your insight as ever uh look after yourself enjoy this week and we'll be back next monday normal service resumes next week apologies for slightly late delivery of this one back next monday with i mike look after yourself bro okay you too mate Great stuff from Iron Mike. Uh, there is a lot more coming your way this week. He's back next week, incidentally, of course, for his regular uh, review, preview, preview, review, review slot, of course. It's Mondays, Tuesdays, the review and previews, of course, ahead of the weekend. Ollie Conley dropping by this week to get a set for week five. Looking forward to catching up with Ollie again. In between that, there'll be a college days we're going to drop. Uh, ben is going to be casting his eyes over wide receivers that you should know about. Wide receivers that are going to be in the NFL 
possibly first round picks in next year's draft, as well as the big games from the weekend slate in college football. So a college day is dropping too. And Edge Rush back. Me and Propo, Ollie, the producer. Hey, we're proud of the week we had. It was a good one. Uh, we won't keep that level up. I can guarantee that. So grab them while they're hot, as the saying goes. Uh, edge Rush dropping uh, probably Friday, maybe early Saturday that as well. So a lot of pods coming your way. Keeping it rolling. A big shout out to all of you who've taken time to review the show, whichever pod platform that you listen to us on means a lot. We read them all and uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. And we really appreciate you taking time to do that. Goes a long way. So thank you for doing that. And if you have a spare 30 seconds, hop on, helps us, helps the algorithm, helps spread the word. You know the drill by now. All right. We're back with College Days next and a week five preview coming your way later this week. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Follow Baseball Nuts. Join us on the Johnny and Josh Show with my baseball brothers, where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis. And my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell, who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh Show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.